It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. Firstly, please let me apologize for my absence in the last couple of weeks. The first week, I was on a cruise with my daughter, as I had mentioned, and the internet was used sparingly for my real job. <laughs> the one that pays me lots of money. <laughs> the second week is when I began chemo where I had thought that it was going to be while I was on the cruise, the insurance company didn't come through. Secretly, as angry as I was, is as thrilled as I am now because I went through an entire week, starting Monday of this week, of chemo. And if I had had that chemo while I was on the boat, I would have been miserable, as well as would my daughter have been, and the rest of the crew because I would have made sure that everybody had to know how miserable I was. You can't do that by yourself. <laughs> so there are my two excuses as to um, where I've been for the last couple of weeks. But I've got so much to tell you that I'm afraid I'm going to sound scattered as I talk, because I don't know where to begin, and I don't even know where to end. So, as I normally do, I have nothing written down, and I just tell you what's on my mind. First, let me say, the cruise was wonderful. If you have not gone on a cruise, I'm suggesting highly that you do so. Even if you go alone, this was supposed to have been a cruise that I booked by myself. But when my daughter got sick, I asked her to join me instead because she had a little reprieve in between chemo and radiation. And I'm so grateful, grateful that I had the opportunity to offer it to her. But I really would love for you to have the experience, if you haven't already. You never run out of things to do. There's always something to eat. You can drink whatever you want. No one is staring at you or browbeating you for any reason at all. You don't have to hear the word mom once. You don't have to hear the word honey from your husband if you want to go with a girlfriend. Or grab your husband and go. There's shows every night. You dock at different ports every day. You might be at sea for one night and another day. You can gamble. You can dance. Can I just tell you, I wasn't feeling well when I got on the cruise. But the minute I put my foot on the deck, all my problems disappeared. I felt like a million dollars. We must have danced every single night. We walked a total of 50 miles, five zero. From the time we got on the boat until the time we got home. That's in seven days. 50 miles! That was just walking to our cabin and back, walking on the beach, walking to different floors. Can you imagine 50 miles and not knowing you did it? It's great exercise. No matter how much weight you gain, you walk it off or dance it off. We made friends with a group of people, and it's the first time in my life this has ever happened. I wonder if it's ever happened to you. Have you ever become friends with one of your children's groups of friends? I mean, really amicably friendly so that you all have common interests, no matter the age difference. My daughter being 30 and me being in the upper 50 area, we found people that were 38, 44, and we all got along famously. Like They would talk to me exactly the same way they were talking to her. They wanted us to meet them in Canada, that's where they're from, invited us to come over the summer. It wasn't just to my daughter, it was, Robin, you know, we want you to come too. Please, you know, you're part of this group. It was just such a strange feeling. 
we're so used to being the mom that when we're invited to be a contemporary, we sometimes don't even know what to do. <laughs> but I, I just was so grateful to meet all of them. And the fact that my daughter was mature enough to be able to handle it, except for the one little experience on the cruise, there happened to be a younger man, let's just say 36, who was staring in our direction as she and I were sitting at a bar. And he was kind of at a distance up from us. I said to her, look at that guy. She says, what guy? And I, I nodded in the direction. And she goes, oh, yeah, I've been watching him. He's been ogling me the whole time we've been here. And now I'm wanting to keep my mouth shut because I'm thinking the whole time he's been looking at me. And now I'm put in a position where I, I just know the, the right thing to do is to not say a word because I don't want to stir that pot. The mother-daughter pot, we've been doing so well the whole trip. She and I are the ones that butt heads the most. We hadn't had one argument, one fight. It's already day three. We're enjoying ourselves. We're both in this cancer pocket of in-betweenisms. And uh, the next thing you see is this guy comes walking out with other people. They'd been watching a band as we had been, a jazz band. And as he walks by us, he looks at me and he smiles. And my daughter didn't see it. I thought to myself, thank God, because I really did not want to start that. We left the place, and later on, we joined up with this group we had met that were all a bunch of travel agents. Lots and lots of fun. And in walks this guy. And I'm on the dance floor dancing, and he's just standing there with his hands in his pockets, and he's watching me. And I see my daughter look over at me, and she sees me look at him, and she sees him looking at me, and that's when everything went quiet. Uh, you know, sometimes the mother-daughter thing just doesn't work. <laughs> it's a matter of whether you can rise above certain situations or remember that you still are the mother. You know, God forbid we just are allowed to be ourselves in front of anybody. So I leave the dance floor. I walk over in his direction. He comes towards me and he starts to flirt and talk. And I mean, I thought it was really, really nice. I felt very important. You know that feeling. Who's going to turn that away, even if you're there with your kid? Anyway, so I'm just sort of giggling and laughing at what he's saying, and he's telling me that he's been watching me and trying to keep up with me on the cruise, which kind of bothered me a little bit because I thought that's a little bit creepy because I've not seen him until that evening. And he says, no, there's just something about you that caught my eye, and I just wanted to talk and see, you know, what you were all about. You know, the same shit that I hear from every other guy. But every other guy means what he's saying, so why would I discredit this one? So we sit down in that club that everybody's dancing, and we start to talk. And he says something that made me laugh, and I said something that delighted him. And the next thing I look over, and there's my daughter staring, staring. And I see her whispering to the other people in our group and then looking at me and all of their heads turn and look in my direction. Like she had to do that. What for? Why involve everybody? So eventually I tell the guy, I'm going to go back to my daughter, back to our friends, have a good night, yada, yada. I go back to the group and every one of them is like, oh, yeah, Robin. You hitting that one? 
really? And she bursts out laughing. Like she thinks this is the funniest thing in the world. My humility is the equivalent to her humor. She says, mom, I have to admit you were right. He was looking at you. <laughs> right there, just between you and I, it was all worth it. Just to hear those words. You were right, mom. I don't think I've ever heard those words in her whole life. <laughs> I said to her, honey, it's really nothing. I'm just having fun. We're on a boat. Nobody knows what we're doing. I'm not going any further with this. Well, the next day comes, he finds me again in front of this group. And I walk away and I sort of sidestep and talk with him for a while. And I look down and this is the first time because you know I am Ms. Oblivious. I see this big gold wedding band on his hand and I said, what are you doing? Where's your wife? He says, oh, she's here on the boat. I'm dumbstruck. That one just floored me. I said, and you have the balls to be flirting and coming around to me in front of my daughter and a group of people. Aren't you afraid you're going to get caught? He says, no. She goes to bed early. I tell her I'm going gambling. And she says, go. And I said to him, wow, you've got a set. Now, it didn't necessarily mean that I liked him any more or any less because I didn't care one way or the other. I'm not the ruination of his marriage. That marriage has already taken a back seat to what their future is going to hold. So I'm just a little teeny weeny catalyst having a good time with no intent whatsoever of having sex with this 36-year-old on a boat that my daughter inhabits as well. That did not stop him from finding me almost every night and having conversation. And it was interesting to me because you know how I am. I love to get inside somebody's head, especially a man, because I want to know how he's thinking. I want to know what makes him do what he does, what enables him to think he can get away with things like this. I mean, the more I learn, the more I can tell you. And then you can watch your own husband or boyfriend or whatever. See if they screw up or think they're above it all. The last day, I didn't see him, which was a good thing. I didn't really feel well on the last day of the cruise. I caught something. Don't you know, it waited until the last day to blossom inside my body. I was so sick by the time I got home. And I must have had one too many drinks. To be honest, I really don't remember this. I must have given him my number when I had been drinking because I don't remember. Why would I give somebody my number when there's no internet for him to have access to on the boat? He couldn't text. He couldn't call. He couldn't write. I don't know what I was thinking. Get off the boat. Get on the plane. Come home. Walk in the front door. I get a phone call. It's this guy. I miss you. I've been thinking about you. And I'm like rubbing my eyes, trying to figure this out. How does a man miss you that you've done nothing with, that you've only known for three days, that you've suggested nothing to? So I didn't respond to the phone call. And then he started texting. I've been thinking about you so much. You really matter to me. I didn't want you to think it was a one-night stand. I said, what? So I texted him back. What one-night stand? We did nothing. I don't even know what you're talking about. How can you miss me? You don't even know me. If you knew me, I'm still not sure you'd miss me because I have that little crazy streak. It's not conducive to married men. He insisted. You've been on my mind. 
I don't know why. He continued to text. I continued to shun. I tried to be nice. Honestly, you know I'm a nice person. But this was a little bit much. And I finally said, look, I will be your friend. That's it. If you want to continue being friends, we can talk every once in a while. Because at this point, he was ready to buy a ticket to come see me in Dallas. And I kept hearing that damn voice coming out of my daughter, who always seems to have this sixth sense about people and the ones that you need to be wary of. And she's told me her whole life about people that I've been involved with. Mom, don't you see there's something wrong here? Those antenna of hers drive me crazy because she's right more often than she's wrong, but I'm not going to admit this to her. At least not yet. I had to put an end to this. Quick, nix it. Then the truth came out. He's depressed. He's been depressed and on medication. And when he met me on the boat and there was somebody that liked him for what he was, and somebody that was willing to listen, somebody that was older, that was attractive, that seemed to be into him, it was like his own fantasy. He was in a fantasy land on the boat with me. And I didn't know it. I just had no idea because he seemed so self-confident without a fear or a care in the world. So, you know, I felt horrible at that moment, but I said to him, look, again, you do need somebody to talk to, but I'm not sure I'm the right one. I think you need to find a professional. We could still be friends and talk once in a while, but find yourself somebody that knows medically or emotionally what to say to you to help you through this. He agreed. He apologized, which I felt he didn't need to do. But I accepted and said, let's just move on. And that's where I left it with him. And God forbid I ever tell my daughter any of this because she told me she felt that he was creepy in the beginning. He kept following me around and I kept telling her, you're making a big deal out of nothing to the tune where one night we had been dancing and drinking until 3.30 in the morning, she and I, with this group of ours, we get back to the cabin, which is a nice-sized cabin with a balcony, so we're not like in each other's faces, but she came up to me and let me have it with regard to this guy. What are you doing? Do you know he's married? Do you know he's only six years older than I am? I have to listen to this shit when I am shit-faced? You've got to be kidding me. I said to her, what is your problem? Do you think this was my first rodeo? And as soon as I said the words, I knew I'd made a huge mistake. Like, why would I have said that to my daughter to feed the fire? Well, she stopped in midstream, her mouth open, jaw dropped, looked at me and said, what do you mean by that? I said to her, do you honestly believe that I've not been with a younger man before or that younger men aren't attracted to me? Where are you? Like, where's your head? Do you not see what goes on around me? Again, one of those I should have kept my mouth shut moments. Now, seriously, I'm talking to you right now. Do you not have younger men look at you or eye you up and down or... See the fantasy in their eyes when you walk by, especially when you're dressed up and you have heels on and you look really good. We know we see it when we see it. And I've been in a situation with 
plenty of men that I've discussed things with or done things with. I'm not going to deny that. But it was a drop-dead moment right there at 3.45 by that time. She says to me, So, Mom, let me ask you this. Do you enjoy being a cougar? I wanted to smack her. That's just the mother in me. I said to her, I am not a cougar. I do not seek out younger men. I could care less for younger men. I just like to know how they think. But they are the ones that find me. They search for me. It's like search and recovery, but not from my direction. I said, so that does not enable me to be called a cougar. Got it? Little bitch. I said to her, daughter dear, the tequila is talking right now. So why don't we just let this go? I have no interest nor the desire to follow through with this man, especially with you up my ass. How's that? We let it go. (laughs) As best as we could do, we let it go. So that was my cruise experience, aside from the fact, once again, I've got to tell you, go. Go to the Caribbean. It's not that expensive. And you get to go island hopping every day. Go to St. Thomas, go to St. Martin, go to the Virgin Islands, go to the Bahamas. There's all kinds of places and things for you to see and do. You can snorkel. You can jet ski. You can just lay by the pool and do nothing. It's just one thing to add to your bucket list. I get back the next week, Monday. This Monday is when the insurance company finally cleared me for chemo. She went straight to radiation and I went straight to chemo. If you've ever been a cancer patient and been on chemotherapy, then you know the deal is this. Every chemo is different and will affect you in a different way. This chemo I've had before, but it was coupled with another chemo that I've not had before. So I was a sitting duck, not knowing what to expect. Usually in the past, and tell me if you agree, but if you're on chemo, it's usually days four, five, six, and seven that are the worst. Like, you could be fine for the first three days, and then, boom, you are hit like a ton of bricks on the fourth day. Well, for me, I had chemo Monday afternoon. I was fine Monday night. As a matter of fact, I had a date lined up. Who does that? I honestly had a date Monday night after I left chemo. And for what? I Sometimes I baffle myself. Who in the world would line up a date on the same day that they have had intravenous drugs pumped into their arm. Me. I think it's because I did not want to be home sitting, dreading, thinking, worrying, wondering. That's how I justify it. And it was a date with somebody that I'd already been out with that I didn't remember. Again, who does this? And he was fine with it. Like, I talked to him on the phone before we met up, and he says, you know, I've been looking forward to seeing you again. And I'm like, whoa, let me put the stop on right here. What? I've already been out with him. This is what's going on in my head because my memory sucks. A lot of it is because of past chemos. And if I went out with him, it couldn't have been during one of my two major relationships or this last one. It had to be like at least a year ago. And I just don't remember So I said to him, well, where did we go? I'm really sorry if I'm embarrassing you or making you feel inferior, but I 
I truly don't remember us going out. I remember certain pieces. He says, no, it's okay. And he starts to tell me about the date we went on and where he told me to park. That triggered something. And then where we went and that triggered another piece. But I couldn't remember him. So what do I do? I say to him, all right, why don't you just come pick me up and let's go someplace local? I let this man, who was no stranger because I'd already been out with him, but I couldn't remember him, come to my house to come in my house and pick me up and take me on a date. And let's be real here. Most often when you don't go out with somebody on a second date, there was something about him that you didn't like in the first place. So here I let this man come pick me up and take me in his car out. I am so grateful that my kids don't listen to this podcast because they'd think I was crazy. But the doorbell rings. I open the door. He sort of slides his way in and he goes, here I am. And he goes, now do you remember me? And I really, truly did not remember him. <laughs> I, what do you say to that? I said, not really, but what a way to start over, right? He agrees. I said, would you like to sit down and, you know, before we go out? He goes, sure. What do you have to drink? So I made us each a drink, a short drink. We sat, we talked, and we went to have dinner and everything was fine. I'm here, aren't I? I mean, I'm alive. From that point forward, the next day, everything was good. Around three o'clock, I felt myself starting to fall down the chemo hill. Boom. I mean, like I hit rock bottom. This is the next day. Who would see that coming? That day, plus the cold that I caught on that boat, Wednesday, Thursday, I was so much a mess. There are no words to describe that I thought in my head at one point. Is this really worth it to go through this? Is it really worth it? That's how down and sick and depressed I was while being at the mercy of this chemo. I woke up Friday like almost normal. Well, as normal as I get. The sickness was dissipating. The illness from the boat was just in my nose a little bit, like not in my eyes or my head anymore. I almost felt human. And I was talking to my staff online. I mean, I had been working every day. And I finally said to one of them at about three o'clock, my God, I feel like the weight has been lifted. The air is clear. I can see again. It's like I'm back. Thank God. Now I can only assume I have chemo every third week. If I'm understanding the chemo routine correctly, I now know that for the first day that I have chemo, I'm fine. Days two, three, four, and five are the iffy days. Having said that, I'm traveling in April, leaving town actually for almost a month, working while I'm out of town, while I am receiving chemo from a new doctor and hospital because I can't break the routine. And I've already made these plans. So call me nuts. Call me whatever you want to call me. Stubborn mad out of her mind, I'm going. And I'm taking the dogs. Can I just tell you, while I was sick, days two and three, I thought to myself, I've got to try and get myself out of this. I'm not going to live. 
How am I going to get on a plane like this with dogs and then find my way to this place while I'm so sick? But I'm just one of those people. I make a plan. I stick to it. And I know if this is true, this path of chemo that I'm on, that I'm going to be having chemo a week before departure. So I should be okay by the time it's time to go. And I'll be recording a podcast live from there. I'm going to Florida. So it may not have the same quality as this, but at least we'll be talking. That is if I make it there alive. Let me just say this. If you don't hear from me in April, you know something has happened to me. And at the same time, I am thinking of drugs to give one of my dogs because he almost got me thrown off that other flight because he's so little and he barks when anybody looks in his direction. And the TSA rules are if the dog barks or if the dog jumps or if the dog seems like it's going to bite, well, you could be thrown off the flight, which almost happened to me. And so I've got to figure out a way to calm him down, to keep myself calm and make the flight. Have you ever traveled with pets? They are supposed to be my emotional support pets. I get no support from them whatsoever. I'm supposed to be able to pet them while I'm boarding, pet them while I'm flying. Let them come to me and say, Mommy, it's going to be okay. Instead, I have a crazy hyena that's supposed to be one dog and the other one who will bark at him to try and get him to stop barking. So it's just total chaos when I get on the plane. Tonight, I'm well enough finally to go out on another date. And who am I going out with? My mystery man from Monday. He should be here in 15 minutes. We'll see. Listen, you never know. At least I know who he is this time. That's a stronger beginning than last time. I have a story I want to tell you in a couple of days. I don't know if I'm going to wait till next Tuesday. I don't want to forget but I found myself thinking about this person that I met at a bar a few weeks back, like about a month or so ago, and I went to look at my podcast, and I just cannot believe that I didn't record anything about him. I just can't believe it. It's quite a story, one that you have to really follow along with to understand exactly what happened. I'm still trying to figure it out, so I could use an extra set of ears. Anytime you'd like to reach me, Email me, robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail. My podcast, please subscribe. Just click the button, it's free. This way you don't have to chase me around and I don't have to chase you. We just pop up in each other's inboxes. <laughs> Simple as that. Check out my website, sugarmom.net. You can find my book there. You can order it right there from my website, sugarmom.net. The book is called The Diary of a Sugar Mom. It's part fact, part fiction. I'll let you be the judge. Try and figure out which part's true and which part is a little exaggerated. The Diary of a Sugar Mom, which is what stemmed this podcast, which is what brought us together. See, there's a means to an end. I hope you have a wonderful week. I might be recording this other piece in a few days. If so, if you subscribe now, it'll just be there. You'll get a little notification and that's it. It doesn't hurt and I don't bite. I promise. It's Robin Marshall. Wonderful to talk with you. They also call me Sugar Mom.